Welcome to Over It. Before we get started, we have a few words from our sponsors. Hi everyone, my name is Dan. I like my coffee with half and half and a little bit of stevia and some sweet and low. Ooh, very yeah, nice. staying very away nice. from the uh, from the the sugars because uh, you know hashtag keto. My name is Andrew and I like my coffee black, but when I'm visiting my family, I have it with cream and sweet and low as well. Oh, and... oh, oh <laughs> now we're doing that. Okay, great. <laughs> I thought you were gonna like go into like a thing about it. Okay. And we're over it. it. Yeah, we're gonna leave those bloopers in, y'all. Yeah, We've, this is. You know, I think they'll enjoy that. Yeah, we're we 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 love it. This is, this is how the magic. This is how you make donuts. This is authenticity right here, one hundred percent. Actually, it's a good thing that we're bringing up coffee because today we are over start. Times. Be, yes, start times and the fact that we live in a society where everything has to start at nine in the morning which i will say it's changing because mm-hmm. you're starting to see like my job doesn't start until 10 which, which nice. you know pray praise the powers that be and um there are other jobs like you know they have the night shift and that kind of thing but as a society i think it's fair to say that that eight to nine range is generally when most jobs start yep for the most part and that's it's kind of a drag honestly yeah and yeah, I have I have friends that we're on a group chat together, and they're te- they're sending stuff in the group chat at eight a.m. and they drive to work, and I'm right. like, excuse me, were you up at six? Literally, just so you can get into work by eight because there's some overlord sort of thing that you have to be in your desk at eight a.m. Right. And I get it; some people go into work early so they can leave early, but for the most part, I have yet to go to a job that's totally cool with just you dipping out at four p.m. For the most part, they want you there at nine. They want you to stay until five, sometimes six, and then if they even bring up, oh, we can start a little bit later, they want you there until seven. Excuse right. me, I have a life. Right. And for me, it's like there's just no agency in you being able to determine when you can work, right? Because when I think about the jobs that have the swing shift or that have the graveyard shift, mm-hmm. it's generally like the minimum wage jobs. Like my sure. dad, he's a machinist, right? Mm-hmm. And so he makes about, what, $12, $13 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been doing that for 30 years. You he's know, still doing it? he's still doing that. He, he must like it, or well, there, there, well, you know, there's a whole lot that goes into that, right? Like he's an immigrant, so there's sure. a lot of you know oh, sure. opportunities that he didn't have sure. the chance to to participate in. Sure, but um, you know, and he doesn't even get to choose those shifts, right? Yeah, and so he kind of just gets stuck with the swing shift. Yeah, whereas maybe he would prefer like an early morning shift, or maybe he would prefer graveyard shift. Like if sure. I was working. I would definitely prefer the swing shift because I feel like I am the most productive during like the afternoon to the nighttime, right? Sure. So if I could start at two and then work until eleven or whatever that time frame is, yeah, perfect. Because I'm gonna be up until four anyway. Yeah. So I have plenty of time afterwards to go to the gym, live my life, whatever, sure. and then I don't have to wake up at 
6 in the morning to go to work at 8 if I have that kind of a role. Yeah, and that's like, that's something that I wish that, I know that a lot of European countries kind of, they, they even have shorter work days. Right. And honestly, I feel like I get most of my work done between 9 a.m. and about 3 p.m., 3.30. Sure. And unless something really big comes in, and I always do before 5, but once it hits about 4, 4.30, I know I'm going to be out of there in an hour anyways. I'm already prepping for tomorrow. People check out. People check out. Why can't there literally just be, instead of an eight-hour workday, a six-hour workday? I really think that as a society we would get more stuff done because it's like you only have six hours with with right. what to work and having a better work-life balance is better. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, not every profession can do that. Sure. I was speaking just for, for mine, which is, you know, I it's a it's an office desk sort of situation. Sure. And I'm just dealing with a lot of clients. And for the most part, I'd say half my clients of my bigger catalogs I deal with, mm-hmm. they're overseas anyways. I'm getting their stuff for the most part at weird hours anyways. Right. And they just know that it just takes a day to get back to them. I'm... You know, and we talk about graveyard shifts. I have a friend who's a nurse. Mm. She has the most ridiculous hours. That is a profession that I feel like not enough people give their dues yeah. to the to that kind of care industry like that. Right. Doctors, hospital workers, EMTs. Yes. I mean, that stuff is absolutely outrageous, the amount of hours that they're expected to work or that they have to work for. Yeah. It's like even if you say – like an, I used to date someone that was an EMT worker. She would always try to do like the morning shift, but sometimes she had to literally do a 24-hour shift. Right. That is ridiculous. And they're also like, like, I'm also over work culture in general, right? Oh my God. Because there's so many arbitrary things that we do that like, what is the, you know, if you are not in a service industry, right, then do you need to be in a suit? Why is the suit the definition of professionalism? Sure. What, what, there are definitely ways that you can come in like your authentic self and still be as productive and professional without having to wear something that's constricting and really something that symbolizes social stature because that's really what we're doing when we talk about professionalism we're not talking about like how much quality are you bringing to your role or how much you know how much experience are you bringing you're really talking about what can you afford can you play ball in that capacity which I don't think that in terms of a quality company, if you have quality individuals then that should stand out in terms of professionalism more than how they're dressed. Exactly. And it's, and I don't think it's fair that uh, a, a big draw to say, say places like big tech is that, Oh, we dress kind of casual here. It's like, you, should <laughs> you should be comfortable at work, especially right. if you're mandated that you got to be at your desk for a certain amount of time. I don't want to be wearing, I mean, I don't dress poorly for work ever, but you know, for the most part, it's also funny too, when I will dress up a little nicer, say I've got a gig or is doing something. Sure. Backwards. Everyone's like, Oh, you can't dress nice today. Yeah. You know, I don't wear band t-shirts at work, but also it, that like me, whatever I wear to work is not going to affect what, how I'm doing my job. Right. And I, I definitely feel like, uh, in, in certain circumstances, like for teachers and stuff, you know, you want to maintain a little bit of decorum yeah. in some senses. Oh for, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying like come in pajamas, no, 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 you no, know, of not. but oh, absolutely not. there oh. should be more flexibility in what people are able to wear. I mean, not to throw shade, but I don't think in my entire life I've ever worn pajamas in public, nor have I worn mm. pajamas to like a college class. I know some people did that, but I was like, listen, this professor who is an adjunct is getting paid like 20 grand a year, like a year, maybe right. and has a crazy office hours, still dresses up. I can at least put on goddamn jeans and take off my Crocs to mm-hmm. go to class. I don't care if it's an 8 a.m. class. 
glow up a little bit for your teacher. But that's just that's just me throwing a little bit of little no bit as well deserved shade. Uh, I remember going into my undergrad classes, and y'all, I went to undergrad in Las Vegas. It was okay. hot ninety percent of the time. How did people wear leggings when it was 103 outside and then walk into class? I'm like, sis, <laughs> Pardon put, me. put some shorts on, yeah. like, do yourself a favor. Like, I'm sure those leggings are comfortable, but when you're like, when they're wet because you're dripping in sweat, I'm yeah. sure it's not going to be cute. So Yeah, and don't get me wrong, you know, be comfortable, do whatever you want. I, it's really, I just, I just know for me that, you know, I, I definitely have a certain level levels of of dress and i definitely agree with you that this whole thing of uh it, it fosters this weird thing too i don't know if you've ever noticed this when you go to financial district there's this bro look where they all have the patagonia vests yep. i used to play every thursday down in fidei at this really great bar on stone street and we all, almost all of our clientele were bros and right. you know that culture is rife with a lot of other issues but I swear, there was one time there was an office party, and... But how can you tell? Because they all dress the same. They all... Well, they all dress the same. No, no, and they're, they're all from the same... But they all, like, introduce themselves. They all sure, the sure, sure, sure. They all literally had the same color Patagonia vest, and I was like, guys, Chad, Brad... Chad and Vlad, Brad. Like, Chad, Brad, Vlad... Sad, like stop. Oh my gosh. Like I was just like, this is ridiculous. You're perpetuating this awful stereotype. <laughs> You're perpetuating this broness that really shouldn't be associated with. It should be associated with making mass amounts of money too, because mm-hmm. it also it also makes it seem super inaccessible. Like I can't tell you, like even just talking to them. And th- these guys worked for the S and P, and they kind of they asked me like, yeah, we work for Standards and Poor's. I was like, I know what the S and P five hundred is. They're like, oh, right. like, um, listen, you're not inaccessible. You just got right. a different degree than I did and decided to sell your life for money, and you look down on me because I. Oh my gosh, maybe not everybody feels that not way. Not everybody. No, some of them were very nice, but I was just like, you're creating a really negative culture, and I do right. appreciate this. And I can't tell you how many times when I was really tearing up on Tinder yeah. during my stallion phase, which oh, is gosh. affectionately my mid twenties. <laughs> I love uh, how you self-proclaimed it your stallion phase. Yeah. I'm very, you know, I support that. You know, thank you very much. Uh, I, I used to get all the time that people were like, I'm so tired of the bros. I'm so tired of the finance bros. They're like, we like, like, girls were always like, I like you a lot more because you're just down to earth and you're right. really, and even though I worked at big tech, they're like, you're not even like a big tech bro, which is right. a whole nother thing. Sure. So I, I totally am, it's... The dress, it's the yeah. to be there at a certain time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I one of the things that I've noticed in a lot of other industries, uh, you know, across the board is a lot more people are working from home. Yes. Which I also a great fan. Fifth Harmony song, by the way. <laughs> Let me work from home. Da, 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 da. Sorry, off topic. No, no, but... totally fine. <laughs> I, you know, one of the things I liked when I worked in big tech was I was like two two times a month I was able to work from home. I actually got way more work done. When I was just comfortable in my space, I didn't have to commute. Mm-hmm. I could just cook my food there. But then people like I definitely understand that. But then people abuse the system, and it oh, just takes Always. it takes one person of to course. abuse it Always. to ruin it for everybody. Always, but even um, a job that I applied for in my industry uh, before, they were downsizing their office mm-hmm. and were actually like, "Yeah, so our uh, this position we're offering you has the option to work from home three to four times a week." And Great. I was like, 
that could have been freaking awesome. Yeah. Because I I like that that you can kind of work at your pace within your own parameters. And of course, you know, like you said, it yeah. only takes one person to ruin it. And that's yeah. what happened at my old job was you used to be able to kind of do work from home as much as you want, especially around the holidays. They yeah. Were like, if you just want to travel, just take your computer with you. Yeah. People just didn't do their work and said they're working yep. from home. Yeah. It happens. It happens. The culpability. I mean, I think that 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 you you have a certain amount of of good fortune that mm -hmm. your way all very, that kind of stuff very small so it's yeah like, it's almost like you do kind of get to work from home no absolutely i can definitely like my office is so close that if i want coffee i can just go home make yeah. coffee and then come back to the office and then not have to worry about going to starbucks do i go to starbucks yes sure. obviously because i can't yourself. always go home treat yourself but um you know when i do i get to you know i do get to take advantage of that but at the same time i know that I'm not going to be, like, every time I come up for a coffee, it's during my lunch break. It's sure. not like, I'm, oh, it's 3.02, let me just go upstairs, and then, sure. you know, and it's not to say that there would be an issue with that, but people trust me sure. to be in my office when I need to be in my office, sure. right? Um, I think that, in talking about, like, bro culture and whatnot, I think that you know, being a part of a fraternity and having experienced that because I'm def I was never bro. Like that was never my category, right? I never associated with that culture. I was very I don't know if the the word the term straight edge was, you know, could apply to me. Um there's got to be a good term for it because I know what you mean. You you weren't you, you weren't like a big into the the hazing thing. You didn't. Well, we big... didn't we didn't haze at all. Yeah, that's good. Um, we um, I didn't drink until I was 21. Oh, um, such a good little right. angel. Right, and Aww. I didn't. Um, okay, I did. Well, I did. I did once, but that's because I got dumped by my first partner. Oh yeah, honey. And so like gotta, that honey, that gotta, that was a yeah that was a time yeah. that was a time. Um, and then, um, I never smoked marijuana or did any drugs. Part of that was because I was also an RA. And so yeah. I had just been instilled with like, you're a role model mm -hmm. for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, the entire time I was in my fraternity, I was in a leadership role. So sure. I was risk management chair. I was scholarship chair, mm -hmm. chaplain, all of these things. Yeah. And then eventually president. And so I never felt like I could participate in any of those sure. other more illicit activities because I wanted to show folks that you didn't need to do that to be successful or to have fun that's true in a chapter and I think yeah. that I did like I'm not saying that people didn't do it because I didn't do it sure. but I'm at least proud of the fact that I was able to showcase another way of doing things. Sure. Whether or not people did it, that's their own prerogative, but yeah. I was able to, you know. And a lot of the things that I had to push back against was that bro culture, right? Yeah. Because people wanted to haze. People wanted to drink and only throw parties. And I was like, we're just a, a social organization if we're not bonding, if we're not, um, you know, creating strong relationships, helping out the community, helping out the community, all of these things, because that's the, that's the point. The point is not the parties, the girls, definitely not the girls for me, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the point is to create, build friendships, improve our communities. And most importantly, which is the, sh the thing that we really struggled with, and I'm talking about we as Greek life in general, not just our chapter was great mm -hmm. because GPA should be the number one thing 
that you focus on. And then consistently we would have people that were not maintaining their GPAs and instead of removing them from the chapter, we would just let them pass because they're our friends and we didn't want to hold them accountable, but then we also weren't doing them... Sure. You know, we were doing them a disservice by not holding them accountable, right? Yeah. And it all came back to that we we call them frat stars, people that came in there and they wanted to live that stereotypical animal house lifestyle. Sure. And it was always so funny because those were always the people that had just joined or that had just became a part of the chapter. Sure. And it's it was nice that I could see, having been in the chapter for as long as I was, I was able to see them as they got into leadership roles, as they got more responsibility, they moved further and further away from that. And I'm not saying that they stopped. Sure. But they were able to see the other side of things more and more the more responsibility that they had. Sure. But that bro culture does not just... You know, that does not stop at the financial district or within nope. a certain role. I think it's this idea that our society has perpetuated that in order to be successful or to be seen as successful, then you have to have this toxic masculinity, this bravado, this, yep. you know, I own this or I do this and I'm the best at this. It's, yeah, it's a, it's actually, it's funny. Um, I, one of the things that I rail against in my own community as a musician is jazz bros. Okay. And this is something, and it's very, it, first off, in general, the jazz world is very white male dominant, and it shouldn't be. Right. Because it shouldn't be. Right, because they didn't create it. They didn't create it. <laughs> and it's, it's I, stopped, I stopped going to jazz jam sessions because it's just a bunch of this intimidation, bro-y, garbagey, like, oh, you don't know stable mates in every key? It's like, no, man, because I want to have fun playing music, and I want to make money playing music. What's I, a stable mate? Oh, it's a it's a song. It's that a thing. Should, okay. It's a, it's a song that everyone should know, and of course I know it. But like the way that it's broached is so weird, and it's so funny because I have a bunch of friends that went to Berkeley, and I'm not gonna shit on Berkeley because they've put out some of the best musicians in the world. I it, will say that Berkeley was like my number one grad school. Ah. I've always wanted to go there, Berkeley. Wait, if Berkeley, you're here, California or Berkeley, Boston? Berkeley, California. Okay. Different Berkeley. Different Berkeley. Okay, but sorry. That's okay. No, plot, that's okay. Plot twist. <laughs> There's two Berkeley. There is. Uh, the Berkeley in, in Boston, and you know, I have a lot of colleagues that are incredible musicians that come mm-hmm. from Berkeley. And there's also some bad people that go. Just like every music college, right? Like NYU has good and bad people. It's just who can pay and who can pass their courses. Right. It doesn't make you a good musician. Sure. And I had it totally confirmed from a friend that uh, did guitar at Berkeley. I was like, "What were your parties like in college?" He goes. It was just the same people. It was all dudes, all white dudes that you just see sitting around being like, yeah, well, have you heard this version of that on this recording? And just like broing out to each other and trying to see how big their dicks are via jazz knowledge and jazz music. Damn, I, I picked the wrong program. You picked the wrong program. <laughs> a lot of, lot, of, lot of people in the closet there. I mean, hey. So, yeah, the bro culture just goes across so many spectrums of jobs and it's not always tied to money but there's a huge right. part of that of course you do see that in money and you know i'm sure there's tons of lawyer bros out there right. i mean I, I don't really meet a lot of lawyers but i'm sure there's like, sure. there's like lawyer bros and yeah i think it all just ties back into that idea of success popularity and toxic masculinity so and how we toxic masculinity I mean, always over a toxic masculinity. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And then breaking that culture by oh showing God. people that there are better ways, right? Yeah. Like, it's not a, it's not a pissing contest. No. 
I if you it. if you treat life like a pissing contest, then you're just gonna have a lot of piss on yourself. See, and noted. <laughs> no, actually, it's funny that you bring that up. I had to. I actually had to check myself today because. Because uh, I, I did not want you to wreck yourself. No, good. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you must check yourself. Lest uh, you wreck yourself. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was at a I was at a sound check over at Hell's Kitchen for something I'm doing tonight, and the the drummer's a female. She's very nice. No, mm -hmm. didn't have any run-ins, but like I had to kind of put my put my case just kind of behind and end up like kind of on her stuff and i didn't mean to or mean sure. to be rude and then she had to go get something and i was like i am really sorry i didn't mean just to put my shit on yours that was really rude of me and she was like no that's fine but even whether or not she thought it was fine or not right so like that was kind of a dick thing i didn't mean for it to be that way right but still like i was like i could just pop this here because you know i'm a white male blah 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 not right. that i actually thought i that. was like damn <laughs> no i'm not that self-aware but i did check myself a little bit like you know what that was probably not probably not the coolest thing but i've also been in that venue and last time i tried to lean something on the curtains this guy walks up and goes do you know how much those curtains cost i was like no he goes a lot more than your base so don't lean it i was like oh so i learned my lesson not to lean shit on the curtains at this club i mean i'm not surprised hell's kitchen mm. being read by a, you know his name was Eli. He was very of course nice. It was. He was very nice afterwards, and he didn't do it in like a mean way. But I was just sure. Like, oh. Hey, you know, a read is a read. Doesn't matter how you deliver it. Just read me like an encyclopedia. It's like, oh, girl. Like an encyclopedia. So since you do have, um, since you do have your work so close to where you live, essentially, do you find your work-life balance ever in kind of a jeopardy, or do you have a hard time turning it off? Because I know one thing that I did for me when I moved out of big tech, because I used to have all of my things tied to my phone. Right. So I'd get emails at 8 o'clock at night, and I would start stressing and then freaking out because I was like, what in the yeah. fuck? But now I don't. Now I'm like, if I leave work, it's at work, and I'll deal with it tomorrow. <sighs> I mean, I don't know if distance would really impact that, because I was actually telling somebody else uh, about this. Is like, I feel like every time I go on vacation that isn't during the winter, like during the holiday season I can never truly relax because I always know that it will be there when I get back yeah and the only time it stops is when everybody else is also out uh -huh. you know what I mean and yeah. so I went away for um Thanksgiving and I knew that Monday to Wednesday I was gonna have emails and crap assigned to me and all of that stuff but I could relax on Thursday and Friday because I knew that our offices were closed those days. Sure. So I don't necessarily know if distance makes an impact, but I do know that, you know, I tell my employees, you know, emergency situations, feel free to text me. Sure. If not, send me an email. Sure. Um, but know that I won't be yeah. responding to it. And I've, I've stopped telling them that I'm not going to check it because let's be real, I do check it because sure. I have an unhealthy relationship with email yeah, that's, and I don't disconnect from it. Yeah, that's that's another thing that I noticed that my at least my work-life balance just got better because I the only things I have on my phone are is the internal texting system. Sure. Because, you know, from time to time, my boss will be like, can you send this invoice? And I know he knows I'm not there. He right. He knows I'll get to it tomorrow. Right. Not a big deal. Or I have like my timekeeping thing kind of there but i i they even said you know you can put uh, outlook on your phone and i said nope right especially because i knew it would just stress me out more sure and that unhealthy relationship mm -hmm. that kind of yeah i that that is a real thing that yeah 
you know especially in a in a role like you it's yeah i feel like it would be hard to have a work-life balance because you have to deal with so much right so much of the time and it's well beyond the parameters of a normal nine to five yeah and it's also it's it's the email but it's also the text messages and it's the group texts and all of these things and it's you know it's easy for my employees to forget that when i'm not at the office i'm not working because they're just so used to being able to reach out and then having that instantaneous response so i really try and make sure that they understand like hey after five o'clock you're probably not going to hear from me as much and then after eight o'clock you're really not going to hear from me until the next day unless it's an emergency situation and that's that's something i've struggled with my own partner is that she's reachable 24 7 and will email back oh no it's crazy and is up until 5 a.m and um, our friend Justin, yeah, uh, shout out to Justin if he ever listens. I hope he does because no. he's living his best life in Seattle. He, I remember when we were, I was just talking about how my partner never it turns, turns it, it off. Always, yeah. he's just like I told my staff I'm done at five thirty. Yeah, and you will not be able to reach me until tomorrow. Yeah, and he's like, you have to set that healthy boundary because otherwise you can really go crazy and yeah. get overworked. And I mean. Lord, I don't know how all RHADs are not sick all the time just because it's just work, 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 right. working around sick students constantly. Mm-hmm. You must inhale vitamin or emergency. <laughs> just snort it. I mean, I mean, it can be difficult to balance. I think it's also the fact that we live in such a culture of negative feedback as the only form of recognition that we have these issues right because when somebody writes your evaluation um they're gonna focus on the things that they had an issue with yeah way before they're even going to be able to think about the things that they appreciated or that they enjoyed about or that they felt supported in yeah um and that's just the culture that we live in like i teach my or I trying to instill in my employees the fact that, you know, living in a culture of feedback means that we need to recognize the great things in addition to the things that we need to improve on in order to have a balanced, holistic perspective, right? Yeah. And that way, if we do notice that we have a lot of negatives then or things that we need to improve on, then we can focus on those. But if we're never... You know, if we're never taking the time to acknowledge the things that we're doing well, then it's just so draining. It's draining. Um, it creates this apathy because you're like, no matter what we do, it's just going to be the same, right? Um, and then also, how are we delivering that feedback? Like, I know that um, some of our stakeholders, when they reach out, they reach out about things like, oh, I didn't enjoy this event that you all put on. And I was like, well, great. So how are we supposed to improve on that for next year? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I tell them, you know, don't t- take it with a grain of salt because there's only so much that we can do. But know that when it's your turn to provide feedback to somebody else, regardless of it's, you know, within work or within one of your classes or um, any other aspect of your life, think about what was the issue with your experience and then how can you provide those individuals with a framework or an understanding of why it didn't go well from your perspective. Sure. And that way you're at least giving somebody else an opportunity to 
make that improvement yeah. rather than just dooming them to repeat what they've done because you haven't given them any of that feedback. Yeah, and I mean, you should any sort of feedback should be turned into an opportunity. It shouldn't be sure. just this is what's wrong. They it should be this is what's wrong, this is how you can fix it, and this is what I'd like to see more of, or this is what you already do, and this right. is how you can facilitate it into a success. Yeah, yeah, and that's and it's basically, you know, I tell them there's two types of feedback. There's constructive feedback and destructive feedback. Yeah. Destructive feedback does just that. It you throw it, it lands, it decimates whatever was there, and yeah. then there's nothing to build from. Yeah. Constructive allows there to be a framework to build something better from what was. Yeah. No, I mean, even even this past week, I had, uh, you know, my weekly with my with my VP. Sure. And there was a project that I took it upon myself to work on, which not necessarily highest priority, but we're also in the middle of Q4. Sure. No one's, other than a few last minute things, no one's doing anything, which is fine, which is expected. And we're trying to, we're restructuring the office and we were doing um, a project where we were labeling folders and putting it in the, in the back room or whatever to like redo the whole system. Yeah. And I had done most of everything but then uh someone at my at my position was just like hey if you have any folders i'll do them for you because i'm not doing anything i was like fine i'm working on this project and then my vp was like i'm glad you're doing the project he's like it's pretty necessary but it's not as high priority i would like to see you do more of that and i said i'm sorry i just thought i the guy asked for it i was just doing that he's like he's like yeah next time something like that comes up i would rather you take the time to do that than to do something that could be kind of done at any time and you know do I, do I, is he right? Absolutely. Did I, was I put in a tricky situation? I didn't know what to do. Yes. Did I know, would I, would I've liked him to say something earlier? Absolutely. But yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's still like, I know that that's when it comes to my quarterly, that's going to come up. And I, you know, I have the right to defend myself and I'll say, you know, I really didn't know what to do in that situation because someone was asking to do, to do it for me because he had nothing to do. Right. And I didn't know in that situation that you would have preferred me do this. But then I learned that next time something, a bigger kind of project like that comes up, that I should take it upon myself just to do my work and not try to shop out any of it, even if someone's asking for it. Because... I mean, I think that you're within your right to at least talk about, can you know, with your supervisor, like, so let's have a conversation about expectations yeah. because I didn't know that that was an X. Ex- and I don't think that it's fair that if that comes up in your review um, as like a negative or something that's counted against you, I sure. don't think that that's fair because I don't, it, I don't think it will be, but I'm sure it'll be mentioned. And I, and, and actually at the end of the thing I said, yeah. and I actually talked to him about it. I said, so I still have papers at my desk that need to go in folders. And I said, uh, I, you know, would you say that it's a priority for me next week to just kind of clear it all out so it's all in the floors? And he says, absolutely. So that's kind of what's expected. It's like, I take care of my paperwork. I don't let anyone else kind of touch it. Yeah. Except if someone needs something. And, you know, as much as as much as much that was never really kind of told me that, that I think that was supposed to be inferred, you know, and I've also learned that there's like a very specific set of skills that no one's going to teach me at my job it's all trial by fire and this was i got a little singed on this one right but i'm not i'm not hurt over it if anything i but i do think that you have a responsibility now to name that yes and to name the fact that like hey 
I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Yeah. Know that when I got here, I wasn't aware of that. Like yeah. those, those, that expectation wasn't set. Is there something that we can do if this is a cultural norm that we can kind of communicate that in terms of like the onboarding process yeah. so that other people aren't singed and that you don't have to have these awkward conversations with the new people that are starting? Yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely. And that's funny, too, because the guy, the guy who's who's my age, also my position, sure. but has been there for five years. I'll just sometimes be like, is this normal? And he's like, yeah, it shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> And with that, <laughs> Andrew, Damn. it was great talking to you. Yeah, Listeners, totally. it was great talking at you. to you. Oh, or at you. Or at you. To you, at you. With you, maybe you talk back, but we right. can't hear you. We'll hear you when you leave us comments on our Instagram page. Sure. Um, when you message us through Patreon. Yep. Uh, when you send us your emails and the things that you're over. When you at tweet us. When you tweet us, all of the things. If you would like to get in touch with us, our Patreon page is Patreon forward slash over it. Um, you can email us at we are we are over it at yahoo.com. Um, you can reach us on Instagram as well. It's a we're underscore over underscore it at yahoo.com. No, at Instagram. Whoops. <laughs> Just kept rolling. We can edit that out. Yeah, later. just kept rolling. Uh, and you can also look for us on Twitter. But there's a lot of overits where yeah, the, the links on our Instagram. So if you find the Instagram and you wanna, you know, we'll tweet. We could just, you know, we gotta. I gotta. I have to personally get better about Twitters because sometimes I think I'm over this right now, or I'm over the fact that on my floor there's only one bathroom and one stall. <laughs> Hashtag over it. Hashtag over it. Thanks again. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Andrew. My name is, uh, my name is Dan. My name is Andrew. And we're we're over it.